The egg on the mountain calls. This is Legendary Adventures Podcast. This week in The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, we're exploring the wonderful world, I mean, uh, the new world of color, and finally awakening the windfish. After completing Turtle Rock, Link has all eight instruments of the sirens in his possession. That means he can now wake the windfish. It's not as simple as just heading to the egg at the peak of the mountain, however. Players who head straight for the egg will find that it's essentially Link's Awakenings version of the original game's Lost Woods. There are four paths to take, and if players don't take the paths in the correct order, they'll end up in an endless loop. Finding the correct path will take a little research, and what better place to research in a pre-internet age than the library? Heading to the library, Link can now access two books that I mentioned all the way back in episode 2 of this season. One reveals the location of the color dungeon, and the other contains the secret of the egg. Let's talk about the color dungeon first. This dungeon is contained only in the Deluxe Edition and the Switch remake of the game. It's an optional dungeon which provides players additional power should they complete it. The color dungeon can actually be accessed at any time after getting the power bracelet, but the Pegasus boots are required to access the book that contains the secret of reaching the dungeon. In a nod to A Link to the Past, players use the boots to ram into the bookshelf and drop the book on the floor. The book tells the player a new world of color is located under the five gravestones and provides directions to push the gravestones to access it. Players who go are promised the power of color. The graveyard is located west of the witch's hut. It spans four screens, with a set number of gravestones on each. The northern sections of the graveyard each have six gravestones. The southwestern screen has four, and the southeastern screen has the five graves referred to in the book. Pushing the gravestones in the directions referenced in the book will cause a staircase to appear. The color dungeon is different from the others. It has two guards at the entrance, a pair of skeletons wearing red and blue tunics. In the deluxe edition, these skeletons give Link a test. I assume it's to ensure that players are using a Game Boy Color. The color of the tunics will switch between the two skeletons. They ask Link in turn which color they are wearing. If Link can answer both correctly, they will allow him into the dungeon, with a warning that magic powder is required to complete it. In the Switch remake, the guards simply move aside and provide the warning about magic powder. Additionally, they will sell Link magic powder if he needs it. It's a nice quality of life change. It allows players to head straight into this dungeon without having to backtrack. The dungeon music is a rearrangement of the dungeon theme from the original Legend of Zelda. It features an additional melody played on the high notes to more fully flesh out the theme, while still maintaining the mysterious tone of the original. The dungeon is shaped like a t-shirt, or more accurately for this game, a tunic. The sleeves are pointed out to make the t-shape. True to its name, the puzzles and obstacles all rely on color to be solved or avoided. There are camouflage slime enemies, floors that change color before breaking, and variations on two color-based puzzles. The dungeon also contains three unique boss fights. All color elements from the original game have shapes added to them in the Switch remake for the benefit of colorblind players. The hints also refer to the shapes rather than the color in that version of the game. In the third room of the dungeon, players will run into their first color-based puzzle. It involves hitting rotating switches to change their color in order to make them all the same matching color, in this case blue. The trick is that multiple switches will move when one is hit. There are only four switches in this room and it's the simplest of these puzzles. Players are rewarded with the compass for changing all of the switches blue. 
we'll see two more variations of this puzzle within this dungeon. The second steps up the difficulty by adding a third color, while the third features nine switches which must be changed. The stone beak is found on the eastern side of the tunic. Players will encounter new enemies that fold into a ball when hit. They must be hit and then lifted and thrown into a hole with a matching color around it to reveal the beak. After getting the beak, I followed a looping path south, then west, then north, and collected a key along the way to fight my first dungeon mini-boss. It's a large stone golem. It attempts to hit Link with stones and occasionally jumps, shaking the arena. That'll cause Link to fall down. Players must use Rock's Feather to avoid getting knocked down, and to land spin attacks on the boss. After it falls, players can head north into the neck of the tunic to get the dungeon map. I then backtrack to the right sleeve for a second mini-boss fight. It's against a giant slime enemy. It starts as a simple round blob, then stands tall like the buzz blobs seen all over the overworld. Those buzz blobs shock Link if he hits them with his sword, and the boss shocks him in a similar way, unless it's hit by magic powder. This forces the boss back into its smaller round blob shape, and Link can hit it with his sword. Once the boss falls, players can move east one room to claim the Nightmare Key. The boss of the dungeon is located in the left sleeve. It's a giant version of the hardhat beetle seen in some dungeons. These are enemies with orbs on their back. In the game, they're generally found in rooms with holes and are defeated by knocking them down a hole. This giant one has a color-changing orb on its back. The orb starts blue and is changed from blue to yellow to red as it's hit. Players must use Rock's Feather to jump and land slashes. They must land hits quickly or the orb will revert back to its previous color. Once the orb is completely red, the boss falls. Link can then meet the Queen of the Fairies. She offers him one of two tunics. A red tunic which increases attack power, and a blue tunic which increases defense. The choice is entirely up to the player. I chose red on my deluxe playthrough, and blue on my Switch playthrough. Now to the egg. In the southeast corner of the library in Maeve Village, there's a book entitled Dark Secrets and Mysteries of Koholint. Players cannot read it without the magnifying glass. With the magnifying glass, the book will reveal the path to take through the egg to reach the final boss. The directions given will be different on each playthrough of the game. Heading to the egg, players must play the Ballad of the Windfish on the ocarina to open the door into the egg. After players walk in, they'll come to a large hole which will drop them to a lower level. Once on this lower level, players must follow the directions they were given from the book. If they do, players will come to another hole. When the players drop down this hole, they will face the final nightmare. Before the fight begins, the nightmare explains that they were born of the Windfish's nightmares. They made the Windfish sleep endlessly in order to claim the world of Koholint. The nightmares wish to rule the island forever. It then challenges Link to battle, saying, Let's rumble. The boss fight plays out in multiple phases. In the first phase, the nightmare appears as a blob, which must be hit by magic powder to deal damage. It then transforms into a shape resembling Aghanim from A Link to the Past. 
As with that game, players must beat him in a classic match of Dead Man's Volley, hitting energy balls back at the boss. Its third phase resembles Moldorm, where players must land hits on its tail. In the fourth phase, the nightmare changes into a shape resembling Ganon, and it attacks similar to Ganon in A Link to the Past. Fire bats are thrown at the player, and Ganon throws his trident. Players can deal damage with a spin attack, or by dashing with the Pegasus boots. The fifth phase sees the nightmare transforming into a form similar to the one we saw when it first spoke to Link. It's an orb with large, evil-looking eyes. Smaller orbs trail behind it when it moves. This form can be taken out with a single hit. The boss then transforms into its final phase. It's a large sphere with two arms which rotate around its body. The boss has a single eye that only opens occasionally. Players must use Rock's Feather to jump over the arms and the bow to shoot the eye. After several hits, the boss falls. A staircase appears and Link is urged to climb it. After players go up the stairs, the ending plays out. The owl appears. It explains that it is part of the Windfish's spirit, a guardian spirit of the dream world. It thanks Link before departing for a final time. Then, the Windfish appears. It's a highly decorated bejeweled well with comically small wings. Windfish in name only, for it is neither. The deity again confirms that the island and all of its inhabitants were created in its dream. And as is the nature of dreams, the island of Koholint will disappear when the windfish awakens. But, the windfish says, the island will live on in Link's memory. The windfish then asks Link to play the Ballad of the Windfish one last time. We see locations and people from all over the island. Madame Meow Meow's pets, the kids playing ball, the monsters on Tarambo shores, Terran, Marin, all fade away in a blinding flash of white. The island itself fades into nothing. Link awakens in the middle of the ocean, clinging to the wreckage of his ship. He lashes together a small raft. He sits, clearly lost in thought. Was it all a dream? Did his adventure on Koholint really happen? Just then, a shadow blocks out the sun. Link looks up and sees the windfish flying overhead. Link smiles knowing that he saved the windfish from an eternal nightmare-fueled sleep. If players manage to complete the game without dying once, they will get one final scene following the credits. Marin appears. In the original game, she has wings and flies across the screen singing. In both the deluxe and switch version, we see her face in the sky, and it fades to reveal a seagull flying toward the horizon. Marin's wish was granted.
It's a happy ending, and yet Link is alone in the middle of the ocean. Will he reach land again? Is this the end of the journey? And what of Hyrule? He started this journey to protect his homeland, and now here he is, adrift on the sea. What will become of his home? After all, who knows what threats may arise from Ganon's ashes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Legendary Adventures Podcast. Link's Awakening is now complete. Next week is the final episode of the season. I will talk about the world and the legacy of Link's Awakening. If you want to follow along, please do subscribe. Please also consider sharing this with another Zelda fan. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening.